This is Coast and County Radio's Extra Time Podcast in association with Scarborough College and powered by Grundon Graphics. 97.4 FM, through the Vales, across the Moors and along the coast. Extra Time, sporting reviews and opinions from those in the know. Welcome to the Extra Time podcast with Scarborough College, and I'm very pleased to say my latest guest is Lee Bullock, the Joint Player Manager at Whitby Town. Uh, welcome, Lee. How are you doing? Uh, very well. I'm not too sure about the player bit, but Joint Manager. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I, I've seen you in action over the, over the summer, um, and um, you scored a few goals in that uh, that tournament, didn't you? Brought yourself on uh, in the Whitby Town. Yeah, players. yeah. And quickly retired after that. So, if put it this way, if I'm playing, we're we're in a bit of trouble somewhere along the line. <laughs> um, so, emergency measures only. Um, and um, so, let's talk a little bit about your career, Lee. Um, you started off at York City. Um, just tell us a little bit more about uh, about how it all came together. Um, I was playing locally for um, Stockton West End, just in the local grassroots leagues. And there was a there was a real good bunch of of local Teesside lads, and um, I just got scouted. Did I want to come along to York City? Who at the time were, were what would be the equivalent of a League One team now? So it was it was obviously exciting times, and and there was about probably ten of the sixteen, and that in that team were from around the Teesside area. So it was it was nice easy one to get involved in. You knew a lot of the players. You'd, played with them like most of them played for Martin, Cleveland Juniors, Stockton West End. So it was it was easy. We went along, trained on a Friday and played on a Sunday. We had a we had a great team that went fourteens, fifteens, sixteens and then on to the majority of us went on to become youth youth trainees, YTS players. Fantastic. Did you know you were being scouted at the time? Uh, no, to be honest I didn't. You just you used to get on with it, didn't you, when you were that age and young, you were just playing with your mates and it was a big deal to play in them leagues because there was, there was some good teams. And then next step is clubs start getting involved and, and off you go and you, you, your training steps up and the standard of your game steps up. So it was good. What, what I'll find interesting, and I, I don't know if you're aware of it, um, but um, because because of the uh, um, what what prompted you to be brought on uh, for the first time actually involved two former Whitby Town players. Um, so um, I'm just sort of looking back. Uh, while you were a 17 year old, you were involved in the uh, the FA Cup match against Wrexham. Uh, Graham Renison was uh, came on for you, and uh, Matt Tinkler was sent off, and both of those would go on to play for Whitby Town. So there you go. Yeah. You, you were always bound to play for the Blues, I suppose. <laughs> and I think I think um, did Adam Reed get sent off as well? We we definitely had two men sent off. That was my debut. Yeah, we at Wrexham, and I'm positive we had two men sent off. It was an FA Cup. I think we got beat two one. Yeah. And I don't think I touched the ball and got subbed at half time. So it wasn't really a, a dream debut. We were up against it from the first minute. 
Yeah, tough one by the looks of things. Yeah, December 1998. I even think Adam Reed came and had a, had a brief stint as well. That's ridiculous. But there you yeah, go, exactly. Whitby Town. Um, so uh, you went on from there. You did get your uh, your two-year professional contract at the end of that season. And, and it doesn't look like you, you you look back, you got the Young Player of the Year award and uh, and things must have been very good for you playing for York at that time. Yeah, I was personally, I had a bit of a slow start. I got in the, the team quite young. And then I didn't really do much, like a homegrown academy player coming through. People start getting a little bit excited and I was just a slow burner. It was probably the following season when all of a sudden I started scoring a few goals and, and got right into the, the swing of it and, and felt comfortable in the first team. And that was when it started to like kick on a bit and I was thinking, yeah, this is this is all right, this, I can do this, but... It did take me quite a while to get into get into the rhythm and, and get used to obviously as an eighteen year old playing up against proper men, big strong League Two players, it, it took some getting used to, but once I did, yeah, I was I was very comfortable in it. Very good. And uh, you you uh, remained at York for 171 appearances. So it's a six season spell. As you said, you scored the odd goal, 24. Um, and uh, then moved on to Cardiff City, initially on loan. Now, that was must have been quite an upheaval. Uh, did you have to move over to Wales? Yeah, that was that, at the time. We'd, I'd had a, personally, I was doing all right. I'd scored a few goals. But York were Chris Brass and Lee Norgan, another Whitby fellow. Were, they were managers, but really young. I think Brassy was like in his late 20s and had, because of financial reasons, had took over the management. We started really well, but then we just we just couldn't get results come Christmas time. And I'd done personally done all right. I'd gone on a week's trial at Cardiff. That went okay. I came back. Played one more game for York, I think, away at Hull. And then they took me on loan for the rest of the season. So it was it was crazy. It was going from a, a bottom half League Two team to a, a steady mid-table championship team. You couldn't have had a, a bigger leap, I don't think. You don't really see it happen this day. So one minute I'm playing at the bottom of League Two and then two weeks later I was making my debut against Reading in the championship with international players and ex premiership players. It was a strange time. But yeah, did I you, to go I'm sorry, sorry Lee, I was just gonna say, did, did it feel like a big step up? Yeah, it was yeah, it was huge. The difference was um the pace, the power, the ability on the football was like I say, I was suddenly thrust into training with internationals like Graham Kavanagh. Robert Earnshaw, Danny Gabadon, Yanichi Inamoto, there was players who've gone on Cameron Jerome and had good Premier League careers, Joe Ledley, it was but it was brilliant as well because obviously you raise your game every day in training, you had to be at your best just to keep keep up with them. So it was great times and it it was a it was a good club. I really enjoyed it, albeit it was a short um, stint. I was going to say, and Lenny Lawrence was the manager of Cardiff at the time. So with his Middlesbrough connections, I mean, did, do you think he knew, he knew a little bit about you because of that Teesside link or had he just tracked you from, from York City? Um, potentially, he, he still took a lot of notice of the North East. He used to get back to Middlesbrough quite a bit. But yeah, there was 
there was Andy Campbell was playing, um, Paul Wilkinson was there, Tony Vidmar, so Graham Kavanagh. There was a there was a decent northeast connection, and there was a a big Irish connection as well, which for matters off the pitch meant it was an um, even better time as well because the social life was unbelievable. I was going to say Andy Campbell, of course, another Whitby Town player or what would be uh, in the future. Um, and then uh, you found yourself uh, uh, on a permanent deal uh, with Cardiff from June 2004. Um, and uh, then you were back in the North East with Hartlepool. Yeah, well, like I say, Cardiff, I was, I was involved every week. I was always in the squad, on the bench, but I didn't, I didn't start many games at I was well down the pecking order. I'd only start if there was a few injuries to midfielders and, and I knew that, I understood that. Some weeks you'd get on, you'd get 20 minutes, half an hour usually when we were needing a goal or a lot, some of the time you'd just sub, not use. So I I, I wanted to play and, and Hartlepool seemed like the perfect move. Steve Agnew was assistant manager who I'd played with at York and he, he was keen to get me there and, Hartlepool at the time had just lost out in the playoffs in League One, so it was a, it was a good move, and um, obviously it got me back home, back from Cardiff, back up to the northeast, um, and it didn't really go to plan. Let's just put it that way: we got relegated the first season. I was injured a lot. I didn't I didn't perform. I didn't play well. It was um, it wasn't how it was meant to happen, but that's football, isn't it? Yeah, indeed. I was going to say a thigh strain, a hand injury, um, not a good time for yourself. Um, you ended up at uh, at Mansfield and then Bury. Yeah, I had, a, I had a couple of loan moves. I went Mansfield's didn't really work out, but Bury was. I had a great time there. I just sometimes when you go on these loans, you fall lucky. You hit a. You normally go on loan to a club that's got injuries or struggling a bit, and um, I think Bury. Very were bottom half of League Two, but I just went on a. The first game was Rochdale away, which to them is a local derby. I think, I think we beat them two nil, and I was involved in both the goals in the first twenty minutes. So it was a perfect start, and from there we we had a. I was there two months, I think, and we we had a really good eight or ten games. So it, they wanted to sign me, but I I didn't want to relocate from the northeast and that and I. Certainly couldn't be bothered driving the M62 every day, so it just never happened. But I really enjoyed it there. That was Chris Brass again, who was the manager at York, got me there. It was a, it's a good club, and we had some a good two months. And, uh, and and somehow you then found yourself uh, down in, in West Yorkshire uh, with Bradford City. Yeah, cause, like I said, I came back from Bury, and I didn't I didn't fancy that. I went back to Hartlepool and probably sat on the bench and in and around the squad for a um, couple of months. And then on New Year's Eve, I got a call off Stuart McCall, said, did I fancy it? Peter Thorne, sent the forward who I played with at Cardiff, had, had told Stuart about me and I wasn't playing. Um, again, Bradford, bottom half League Two, there's, there's a theme here. I think we've got a bottom half League Two teams. But as soon as Stuart McCall rings you in Bradford City, you, you look at the size of that stadium the fan base it was I was in my car and I was off it was a it was an unbelievable move and I remember my debut Accrington away on New Year's Day and there must have been three sides of the ground were Bradford fans 
again, I hit lucky with a couple again. We initially early doors, we got a good few wins and started climbing the league. So it looks like you've helped turn them around. And I ended up having five and a half great years there. I was going to say you had a really good run uh, during your loan spell. Uh, so when Hartlepool put you up for transfer, uh, I'm guessing it was a bit of a no-brainer for Bradford City and a bit of a no-brainer for yourself. Yeah, definitely. It was, it was always going to happen. I think I was running out end of the season anyway, so we just got it done there and then. I was I was dragging myself through a hernia. I needed a hernia up, so as soon as I got the contract signed, I had to go in another hernia which finished my season but yeah it was you can imagine going from Hartlepool who are a, a really good club anyway but to Bradford City with 12 15,000 fans in that stadium was um, it felt like you were moving up the league it was a great move Absolutely yeah but again injury dogged you at Valley Parade uh, Bully that must have been so frustrating Yeah we had a Stuart McCall was he had a real good goal. We got a really good team in in my first full season there. And we were we were challenging in the playoffs. We were up there all season. And then I remember Shrewsbury away. Just slipped and a nothing nothing incident and felt my knee. And you just know and I'd um, ruptured my medial ligament. So that killed me for months and months, which pretty much ended the season for me. It was a shame because we were doing well and then back end, I just got back and we died out the playoffs right at the death, which was disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure. And uh, and then uh, you found your way back to York City, Bully. Who was it that, that brought you back? <laughs> um, it was, I think it was the chairman, to be fair, but Gary Mills was the manager. When I'd, when I'd left York initially, Jason McGill had just taken over as chairman and the money, I think it was £100,000 Cardiff paid for me, had it gone a long way to helping them through, pay a few wages for a month or two, or three, I've no idea. So Jason was always thankful for that. And as soon as we came available, Phil Parkinson put me onto Gary Mills. Gary Mills had had a, a successful spell and won the conference. I think they won the trophy just got promoted and so again that was a no-brainer the, the dream was go back to York and do well finish your career start dreaming about maybe getting a youth team job and all that carry on but it, from about three or four weeks of signing I could tell Gary Mills didn't didn't fancy me he thought my legs had gone I was finished and it it, it ended in a bit of a nightmare to be fair but again that's football I've got nothing against Gary Mills, and 100% nothing against York City. It happens all the time. Yeah, and uh, just speaking of York City, um, it's been a difficult start to the season in the National North for them. I mean, presumably you, you do keep an eye on them. Are you surprised to see them struggling? Yeah, definitely, because they're, they're a real good team. They seem to have got some good strikers in this season, but when you watch the way the pre-season went, they were setting themselves up for a fall and they, they beat everyone in sight. Newcastle, Middlesbrough, Sunderland, wasn't it? Unbeaten against all them. And then people who know football, were, you know what's going to happen. First game here, York, first league game of the season, they're going to get beat. And with that comes the pressure because they, 
one defeat at York City is it's probably like five defeats somewhere else at that league they're in that the pressure just instantly mounts socially and in the background. So hopefully that win the other day at Spenny's got them started and and they can start climbing the league. Absolutely. Uh, and as your time at York came to an end, you had loan spells at Gateshead at Stockport County, and then you find yourself at Whitby Town. Uh, how did that come about? <laughs> uh, Whitby, I was obviously Daz, Daz Williams as the manager, was a, a good friend. My, my career had gone where I met, I first met Daz at Cardiff. So we we done a fair bit of traveling there because obviously he was from up here with me. Then he went to Hartlepool. No, then I went to Hartlepool. Sorry, then he followed me there. Then he went to Bradford and I followed him to Bradford. So we spent years and years traveling around together, going to games together, training together. So we were, we were good mates. And then obviously he got the job at Whitby and Whitby was the highest level available at the time. If you think Darlington were Northern League, Spenny Moore were Northern League. Gates said were conference so there was it was a no-brainer really Daz said do you want to come this is the highest level to continue after I'd packed in so it was like yes straight away we I went training knew I needed to start looking for a job because football career was professionally finished and like I said I never looked back so I'm thankful for Daz and Cammy for getting me in it was a it was a great start, and we we had a real good team that year when I came. It was a it was a good time. We enjoyed it. I was going to say, what, what did you know about Whitby Town before you joined them? I I played against them a few times at York right early at the start of my career in the North Riding Cup. I think I scored my first ever goal for York in the North Riding Cup at the Turnbull when I was like seventeen. Um. And played, like I said, played a couple of times in the North Riding. I just knew they were a decent non-league team and I, I knew a few of the lads, Craig Farrell and a couple of us. It, Tinks had been here, hadn't it? it? It seemed to be a good club to go when you were stepping out of the game and, and that was what I'd done. Obviously, Robbo was there. And, um, Mark Robinson, I'm trying to think anyone else I knew. And and then a few of the younger lads who get released early doors, wasn't it? Yeah, well, that's right. And I suppose that's the, the lot of the non-league club. Um, but it does seem to be just this little community. And there are, there are a few players that just seem to be going here, there and everywhere. And uh, they seem to know each other through different clubs. Um, so you say it was a good, a strong club at the time, uh, Bully. I think we're in and around the playoffs uh, for a couple of seasons under Darren. Yeah, I remember that. The first, Like I said, the first season... Graham Armstrong probably produced one of the the best centre forward seasons I'd seen. I, I remember thinking, I was this lad playing for Whitby. You just knew he was going to score. You knew he was going to win games for you. Um, we had youngsters like Tom Porter, Shane Henry in midfield, running all over, full of energy. Nathan Mulligan, another decent player. Farrell up top. It, it was endless, really. And then at the back, you had Kev Burgess, who's a, who's a beast of a non-league centre-half. Ibby, he's brilliant. Robbo left-back, myself, Pelly. Shane was just getting himself started, wasn't he? The team was snaith. It was really good. One of my best memories, I remember we, we give FC United a real good beating at Gig Lane in front of about 
3,000, I think, that season. It was a good, solid team. The pitch was immaculate. Eric had the pitch. Tuesday night games were a, were a joy because the team was so good and the pitch was always unbelievable. So it was, it was a good season, that. Absolutely. Yeah, unfortunately, it didn't end well for Darren. There was a, a deflirtation with relegation at the start of his final season. He had four good seasons at the club and, uh, and then a change was made. Uh, Chris Hardy was appointed. Yeah, you could sort of see it happening for Darren. Unfortunately, he lost. Players weren't tied up the contracts quick enough, so you lost the big hitters by this time, Spenny and Darlington and, and other teams were, were coming through the leagues powerful and they just took our players. They just came in and said, we'll give you this much extra. And at that level, unfortunately, that's players are not loyal when it comes to a few extra quid. So the team just fell to pieces. We were left with inadequate replacements, if you like, and it was always going to be a struggle. And then... The story is the, the club actually asked me to be the manager, but I, was, I felt far too young. I didn't have a clue about the non-league contacts. I was mate, good mates with Chardy, so I said to, to Graham and, and Spen at the time, see if you can get this lad in from Gisbury. He, he knows his stuff. He's organised. He'll get you sorted. And like I say, they went, well, they were like, can't get him. He's Gisbury manager. And I was like, well, half of our players have just been taken off us it's football it's what you do if you want them you go and get them and say Charlie came in and, and turned the club round yeah and, and talking of Gisborough there, there was a as, as you'd expect uh, with the manager coming in there, there was a big turnover of uh, of Gisborough players coming in yeah so what we'd had done to us in the summer we, unfortunately we, we went and done to Gisborough albeit Gisborough a bit like Spurs the um I think their chairman's like Daniel Levy. He gets he gets top dollar for the players. So financially, Gisborough done all right out of that. And on the back of it, we we got some good players: Cal Martin, Danny Mack, Gelly, who's been unbelievable, and a few others. So yeah, both teams done all right out of it. And and we got the service of some good players who Charlie knew from bringing from probably eighteen year old through at Gisborough in the Northern League. And um, it wasn't long before Whitby were lifting some silverware at uh, the North Riding Senior Cup final at the Riverside Stadium as a as a borough lad yourself. That must have been rather special. Yeah, that's the first time I've ever managed to get on that pitch. I've never played there. I've been there, so that was a that was a good night. Just in the dressing rooms, the floodlights on. Obviously, a, a great crowd, a, a pretty raucous crowd, wasn't it? Let's say and. and it was a it was a decent night and there's still pictures of it kicking around. So it just shows what you can do with a bit of success if a, a good run here, promotion push. Like you see, even getting back to that North Ride and it was a it was a really good night. I think everyone enjoyed it. Absolutely, fifteen hundred plus uh, in the Riverside Stadium that night for a three-one win over Pickering Town. Um, I mean, just just looking at the stats, I didn't realize you've been at Whitby Town quite some time, Bully. I mean, you you must feel at home there. Yeah, definitely. It's there's a couple of clubs that I've, I feel part of in my career, and one was York, one was Bradford, and and the other is definitely Whitby. I, you might be able to tell me how long I've been, but it feels like I'm hitting towards ten years now. 
<laughs> you're not too far away actually 2013 you, you joined Whitby Town there so eight years um and and now um in 2021 you're the you're the general manager uh, as well as uh, one of the uh, the playing side managers uh, just, just give us an idea as to as to what that all involves um well really that obviously when the club was taken over by the investors which is Graham Hinchcliffe, Ivor Homer, Andy Fiddler they're successful, busy businessmen, so they they can't be there to to see what needs doing. So basically, I I report to them three and 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 organise and do what's needed day to day at the club. And then people have no idea, but Monday to Friday, there's a there's a band of volunteers who work all day tirelessly to get games on the Saturday. So it's being there, helping them, making sure they've got what they need and appreciating them. There's, until you get involved in it, you don't have a clue what actually goes on at this level behind the scenes to get a game of football on a Saturday. It's, and it's just trying to help and get things a little bit more organised, which I think we're getting there now. The, the, the ticketing system's good. The sponsorship is, is all organised. The crowds are on the up and... Thankfully, at the minute, the football is is not too bad either. Has COVID made things even more difficult? Oh yeah, that was a that was a welcome to general managing, which was obviously was like jumping in the deep end for myself. I've been a footballer all my life, but I think about two weeks later, COVID kicks in, and next minute you're doing risk assessments and method statements how you're dealing with COVID and suddenly I was an expert in hand sanitizer and all this kind of carry on but we got through it the the the, the furlough scheme and the, the government grants were unbelievable I think without them a lot of clubs at this level would have went to the wall and that saved probably saved uh, half the teams at this level who were not funded by rich rich businessmen so it was that got us through and then the support when we've came out of it's been fantastic and people are just desperate to get back going, aren't they? Indeed. Uh, in terms of the football side, I mean, how frustrating is it to have had two seasons uh, incomplete with all the all the work you've put in behind the scenes? Yeah, it was, but I think in the in the grand scheme of when you see what's gone on in the world, you, you sort of just had to get on with it and accept it. It was... It's it's sod's law that we were we were up the top end of the league competing in the playoffs or in and around both seasons. This season we'll we'll get a full run at it, but when you look at what's happened, it, sort of now it's it's forgotten. We're just back into football and looking forward and enjoying the fact that we can play again with supporters because that's what it's all about. Indeed. Um, I mean, do you think uh, Whitby would have had a good tilt at the playoffs last season if uh, if it had been allowed to be played to its conclusion? Uh, it, was, it was very early doors, wasn't it? We were, what was it, November? We were we were looking okay. We were relatively happy with the squad we had, but we'll never know. We were coming into the, the long, awkward winter months where the pitches get heavy and you start losing players. I think this season, the squad is a lot better equipped. If, if we'd have had the squad last season, who knows? We've we've recruited on the top of obviously myself, Nathan, Chris done it last summer, and we we were 
happy with that squad. And I think this summer we've added a couple more decent players. So the squad is probably, as the budget and I'm sure the accountant and Graham Hinchcliffe will tell you, the squad's a bit better this season. Yeah, I was going to say, um, going into the campaign, I mean, what, what were you talking to Nathan about in terms of who you need to bring in? What kind of players? Well, we like I say, we, we felt the lads done well, so we were we were very keen to let them have another go. We knew we needed two or three if we could get. We, we changed the system slightly, didn't we? Obviously, you're saying we've gone with wide men. We didn't really have any out-and-out out wide men. So that's, we, we went out and got Josh McDonald, which took longer than the Harry Kane transfer, to be honest with you. That was a that went right up until the wire all over the summer. But we knew he was an out-and-out out wide man we wanted. Centrally, we, the issue we had was Jamil and, and Gelly suspended at the start of the season, which meant we needed short-term fixes. And in came Priestley and, and Nathan Dyer who have both performed excellently and, and thankfully now are part of the proper squads. So that was where we needed and that's what we got. Yeah, and um, I know talking to Nathan earlier on in the summer, you mentioned this winger that, that would come in and, and make a big difference and he, he was a game changer. And I think he was talking um, about uh, about McDonald's and about bringing him in. Um, he is a little bit of a class above in some ways, isn't he? Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one. Obviously, is as I said earlier, when you go to a club and a manager doesn't fancy you and, and there's not much you can do about it. You can train as hard as you like, you can do as well as you like in the reserves. But as I find out now, if you don't trust a player, you, rarely does he get a chance or he can change it. Um, and I think that's what Josh has found at Hartlepool. He doesn't fit into their system and he's not going to play. So he's got a good relationship with Nath from... I think Nath had him at mask and when Nathan was flirting being an agent, he looked after him. So it was we were always in pole position on that one. It was just getting all the finances done because it's not easy to sign a, a player who's just been promoted to League Two on the budget we have. But thankfully the board and the nineteen twenty six club have, have made it possible. And like yeah. you say, you can you can see he's he can beat fullbacks at this level. He, he goes past them at ease. And the job for us now is to get him doing it for 90 minutes every week and make sure he's he's capable of doing that. And he'll create goals and hopefully he'll score some as well. Absolutely. Yeah. How does it work in terms of transfers with yourself and, and Nathan? Boss, you mentioned he, he did some work um, as an agent. Uh, so is it is it Nathan with the contacts um, and you on the coaching side or do you sometimes swap roles? Um, yeah, he's, he's probably more busy on the on the contacts and the and the player watching side of it. And I'm more busy on the, the coaching on the training ground and it works well because that's what he's good at and I prefer the, the being on the pitch with the players' side of it. But we, we do flip it up as well. There's, we, he doesn't just sign a player and we both have to agree on it and we both disagree on it and then agree agree or whatever it is. But yeah, it's all... Everything is done 50-50. We just have different skills that we bounce off each other with which makes it a lot easier it takes the takes the pressure away personally and I, I think Nath feels the same 
Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued because um, it, it, it's the jury still out. I think on joint managers. Um, I know Liverpool famously had uh, Gerard Houllier and Roy Evans. Uh, Middlesbrough, I think, have tried it with Terry Venables and Gareth Southgate. And then um, I think most most well recognised at, at non-league level, the, the the two managers at Salford City, who of course had really really uh, uh, good levels of success. Um, how how is it day to day? Is it pretty easy? Is it usually pretty amicable, or do you have some arguments? <laughs> no, we haven't. We, we we haven't really touched wood. We've had a good start, haven't we? So it's everything's nice when you're winning. But we get on well. We know each other from we're the same age. Like I say, we go right back to start the interview, and I talked about Stockton West End and Mart, and then Cleveland Juniors. We played in them same teams against each other. Um, there's the Cowley brothers, isn't it? I don't think it makes much difference at, at this level. You know, you have a manager and a coach. We have two managers, two coaches. It, it's we're just exactly the same. It's it's like myself and Charlie. Charlie was the manager, I was the assistant. But we're both just taking the team every week. It's I don't think people need to get caught up in it all. We. We just get on with it as a two. Some weeks he'll do the team talk. Next week I'll do it. Or if if I'm raging at half time, I'll shout my stuff and he'll, he'll do it. We can flip it around. From it's it's good. It keeps the lads on the toes. And like I say, takes there's a lot of pressure at this level. You've got to win games, and you win a game on a Saturday and straight away. You're thinking about the next game, so it's it's nice to have someone to share it with. That's what. Yeah, seeing Charlie off at the end, the pressure just got on top of him and he, he had no one really. I'm assistant manager, but he'd always took all the responsibilities and it, and it just it just all got too much with his business and he needed a rest. Yeah. Um, I mean, is it is it difficult in terms of making snap decisions or, you know, does there always have to be that consultation process? Regarding how do you mean uh, on on a match? It's like day during or... a game, during a game. If you, maybe, I don't know, for example, a player gets sent off, so suddenly you've got to reorganise the team very quickly. Something like that. Oh no, that would just be yeah, that would be snap decisions. We both we both accept what we're doing, and I imagine it would be it would be similar ideas, wouldn't it? Or what's worked well is occasionally I've said, should we go like this? And they said, what about this? And he suggested something I hadn't even thought about. And you think, oh, yeah, that's a better idea. Or on, on Saturday, I think when we made a change, we were like, what should we do? And they suggested something. And I was like, what about this? And he's like, yeah, yeah, great. I didn't think that. So it works both ways. You know, there's a different set of eyes. Isn't there? there's, there's two opinions. And, and one of you can get a better answer than the other. And that's how we work. It's there's no, we're not proud. We're about getting three points and make Whitby win. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, it, it is interesting just to just to think of that dynamic. Do you tend to agree on things, or or, or do you sometimes uh, find yourselves a completely opposite argument? Yeah, well, I was a little undecided on Nathan Dyer on his early appearances, and Nath Nath was very confident, and he. And he was like, just trust me, stick with me. And then all of a sudden, back end of pre-season, I was like, yeah, Nath, you're spot on there. I was, I was wrong. He's a really good player. So couldn't it, if it was myself on my own, would Nathan have, have been here? 
possibly wouldn't have, but by um, by Nath Haslam saying, give him that extra couple of games, I know what he can do. He's completely won me round, and I hold my hands up and say, yeah, I was I was very wrong on that one. So that was it. Wasn't a disagreement. It was it was more him being right and me being wrong, if you like, and, and give the lad a little bit more time. Yeah, I was going to so, say he has been he has been proved right, of course, by those uh, those early season performances from from Nathan Dyer. Um, <laughs> we, we mentioned uh, uh, McDonald coming in as well on the wing, but also. Uh, I guess the player that's, that's probably shown most for Whitby Town in these first few weeks uh, is up front, Jacob Hazel. Uh, he's he's on fire at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's been different classes. He's, he's, he's a leader in the changing room. He sets standards on the training pitch. He, he can be can be opinionated. I'm sure you see on a on a Saturday, but you need that at this level. You need men who are going to stand up and be counted and. He's been outstanding. His goals, he's getting his goals now that is the rest of his game and his approach to football deserves. So long may it continue. He's had one poor performance, I'd say, in the full pre-season and season that was Gainsborough along with everyone. And I, I think the reason that happened was he was he was trying too hard. But like you say, he's six goals, I think he's got in the league, hasn't he? And yeah. The majority of them have been beauties. Absolutely. There's been some real screamers in there. Um, and presumably, you know, Whitby Town are, are well set to, to have a promotion tilt this season. I'd love to say definitely, but you just never know what's around the corner. If, if we were to lose a player like Jake, suddenly that's that's a huge part of our game gone. We're strong in other areas, but it'd be so hard to replace someone like him who at the minute a lot of our players built around. Um, but if we can keep the 13, 14 main players we have fit and available, we're capable of giving everyone a game at this level. We, we fear no one. On the flip side of it, like we've seen at Gainsborough, if, if we turn up and we're not right, we've been turned over by a, a very average team for me who will probably not do that to anyone else's season because they dominated us from start to finish because we weren't at it and we thought we were we were better than we actually are on the day. I was going to say, is that where you put it down to? A bit of overconfidence, a bit of complacency? Yeah, probably complacency. We just, everything we asked them to do in the dressing room, games were done to us, they looked like, the man's team we looked like a young academy team it was a you could see from 10 minutes in what was going to happen and I think we could have still been playing now and we wouldn't have equalised but fortunately when it more of far bigger stronger better team we we steamrolled more so that's there'll be ups and downs along the way and, and that's how it'll always be I was going to say that Morpeth game without going into detail, the players seem right up for. There's been a bit of history between the teams and uh, it doesn't seem like we've forgotten that. No, of course. Obviously, there was not nice scenes before lockdown last season and players are not daft to remember these things. And yeah, there's, well, as you can see by the first opportunity, Jamil got to go into a tackle and that set the tone for the game. and. Hazel was um, on one, Jasuk was on one and the rest of the lads backed them up. And there was one thing he said to them before the game, 
make sure we finish this game with 11 men because it's very difficult to win a game with 10 men and they were they were professional and they went about the job and I think they enjoyed the three points that they got. I'm sure they did. Um, Lee, thanks very much for your time today. Uh, we do appreciate it. Uh, thank you again to, to Scarborough College for their sponsorship and Grundon Graphics as well. Uh, this has been the uh, Coasting County Radio Extra Time podcast. Uh, uh, thank you very much for joining us, Lee Bullock. You're welcome. Thank you.